lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Friday. Thanks for tuning in here today, live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. I am Steve Dace 2.0. That's right. I have taken back my bodily autonomy thanks to a back alley barber. And man, it's the simple things right now. Had no idea how much a haircut would feel better, but it does. So hopefully it looks a tad better as well. 888-900-3393 is the number. That's 888-900-3393. I'm enjoying this whole thing, this whole subversive thing. I'm enjoying it. Breaking you know? the law. Breaking the uh, law. Yes, thank you, Beavis. I'm enjoying it. Yes. I mean, I just, I don't know. You're finely crafty. Yeah. Well, I was always more of a fan of menace behind the scenes. You know, I was the kid that played sports and got on the honor roll and then, you know, behind the scenes, like manipulated people and other people, you know, I, I, Eddie Haskell people. Yeah, maybe you guys should fight. That was kind of the kid I was. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm sure nobody is surprised to hear that. Okay. But to now, like, I never hung, you know, I, I was never one of the smokers or stoners, but I kind of feel, you know, I, I kind of see why that would be attractive in high school. I, I kind of get it. It's kind of been cool. I, I don't know. I just feel cooler being in this, you know, being a, on this subversive edge. Don't you feel a little bit? I'm fine with it. I mean, you've got the John the Baptist thing just flowing right now with the beard and everything else. Like, you're going to be like your own this Robert is... Redford gif. Where, 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 who's the guy with that movie from the 70s where he plays the the outdoor ruffian? You've seen that gif where he turns around, looks at the camera, and he gives it the nice... Oh, sure. You're going to be your own version of that here in, is, in the next couple of days. This has nothing to do with coronavirus. This is just... Todd. This is hey, just I'm on the, a roll. This just is go just, with it. Oh, just go with it. Uh, uh, like okay. I said, subversive. You had me at subversive. Everything right. else is just gravy. All right, good. And of course, I'm wearing a striped um, pink shirt. Uh, 88, speaking of subversive, 933.93. Like <laughs> we it. all have our subversive limits, apparently. 888-900-3393. Steve at stevedace.com is how you can email us, like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show, and it's D-E-A-C-E. And don't forget, if you're, looking for, if you're looking for clips of this show that you can sample and share with others, uh, go to youtube.com slash Steve Dace. Of course, it is a Friday. That means we'll get to the Dace group here in a moment. Say hello to our friend Shannon Joy, who's rejoining us for this week's look back at the week that was, plus... We're going to have Feedback Friday coming up here in the next hour. So without further ado, let's get to it. It's time for the Dace Group. Your weekly look at the week that was brought to you by Home Title Lock. When life is in chaos, your home is your safe haven, your most important asset, but do you really own it? Don't be so sure. Imagine getting evicted for non-payment of a loan that you never took out. It happened to Deborah, and it's happening everywhere. It's called home title theft, and the FBI calls it one of the fastest growing crimes in the country, which is why we're urging you to check out Home Title Lock. Your home's legal title is kept online, and thieves know this. So they'll forge your signature on your home's title and that's it they legally own your home and they'll take loans out on it your bank doesn't cover you neither does your insurance the only way i know of to avoid this nightmare and facing possible eviction is with home title lock so go to hometitlelock.com and register your address to see if you're already a victim 
And then while you're there, use the promo code Steve to get 30 free days of protection to help you get through this crisis. 30 free days of protection at HomeTitleLock.com. Promo code Steve. That's HomeTitleLock.com. Issue one, bleep Democrats say. The pandemic is that the president has no intercourse whatsoever with the rest of the the world. This is a surprise. Overwhelmingly, the people were at home. Uh, where there's been a lot of speculation about this, a lot of people again had opinions. A lot of people have been uh, arguing uh, where they come from and where we should be focusing. But if you notice. 18% of the people came from nursing homes, less than 1% came from jail or prison, 2% came from the homeless population, 2% from other congregate facilities. But 66% of the people were at home, uh, which is shocking to us. Why do you believe Biden and not Kavanaugh? Are, are they not both entitled to the same presumption of innocence, regardless of their political views? You know, Jake, as a survivor and as a feminist, I'll say this. We need to give people an opportunity to tell their story. But then we have a duty to vet it. And just because you're a survivor doesn't mean that every claim is equal. There is a primordial American tradition going back to the founders of being freedom obsessed, even though we're a country founded on slavery and genocide, being freedom obsessed to the point that we are always so afraid of the government coming for us that we are blind to other types of threats, whether it's a virus, whether it's bank malfeasance or what have climate change, what have you. So workers don't have to leave work to, to get uh, uh, to be fired in order uh, when they get sick to be able to continue to live. And this is how it's going to be. We will shut you down. We will cite you. And if we need to, we will arrest you and we will take you to jail, period. There should be nothing unambiguous about that. Don't make us treat you like a criminal. But if you act like a criminal and you violate the law and you refuse to do what is necessary to save lives in the city in the middle of a pandemic, we will take you to jail, period. Yeah, I'm here today to try to make a point that we need to, I think it's premature that we open our beaches. Uh, I'm a huge proponent of public beaches and I've been fighting for that for years, but I think that uh, the, the danger of bringing all the people here to our area and spreading the virus, and I think it's going to prolong the recovery we have, and I think that we should uh, take better measures, and it's drawing people from all over the world to our beautiful beaches. It's too soon, and we need, it's not appropriate. Thank you, Daniel. I love it when she has no mask, no glove. <laughs> Just takes <laughs> Death, where is your sting? <laughs> Thanks, Daniel. <laughs> oh, let's get to it. What was your favorite flavor of Shut Up Juice this week? Shannon from the People's Republic of New York. You may go first. Go ahead. 
I think it was the general juxtaposition of absolutely befuddled leaders who are completely incompetent. They have no idea what they're talking about, from Joe Biden to Andrew Cuomo. Shocked, I tell you, shocked that there's a spike in deaths in nursing homes and out of people who were locked in their homes. Juxtaposed with this absolutely insatiable God complex and a lust for power like I've never seen before. They have no idea what they're doing, but they're going to do anything and everything to us, no matter what it happens to be. It doesn't matter if it crushes our civil liberties, our human rights, our economy, our family lives. It's uh, just this weird, I mean, alternate universe where they are, are completely astounded and befuddled, but just lockstep on shutting us all down. Todd, it, I agree absolutely with every bit of that except for the part where it's a weird alternate universe it's the most real ultimate extension of progressivism uh that ever was Uh, it's and that's what we really need to come uh to terms with governor cuomo is, is absolutely my choice we are dealing with a level of invincible ignorance again progressivism in a nutshell that is deeply profound and deeply dangerous i mean i march 12th documented in my twitter feed i was telling you the opposite uh, of all the things cuomo and others have been saying i was telling you to believe that this is what was going to happen stop panicking if you go down this road that's what this entire show building up that storyline to you understanding that it's new it's a bit scary bringing you in with data but this is and he's just wow what the hell who would have thought it's just amazing and they want power over every aspect of your life they should be all thrown out of office they should never have serious jobs again for they are not serious people go get another nipple piercing or something governor you're a fraud Get out of my life. Get out of Shannon's life. You are preposterous imposters. So was, are we Are we stipulating that was real then? I don't care. Okay. Yeah, totally. I don't care. Oh, that's okay. I thought I'd like discovered something when I sent that meme to you guys last week. And apparently it was from like two months ago. So there you go. I'm on the cutting edge. My striped pink shirt my back alley barber Aaron go ahead I think it probably has to be death for me well we'll talk about this more in the next in the next segment uh, the, the MSNBC contributor whose name I can't pronounce which you'll find out in the next segment that was that was pretty amazing it was it was a summation of progressivism but like I said we'll talk about that more in the next segment so death on the beach I mean that's that's another so there's real true believers. That was the mouth that's of a, progressivism. That's a great drink. Go to a bar and order death on the beach. Death on the beach. Yeah. Exactly. No, there, there is there is a uh, an amazing picture of just the the emasculation brought about and wrought by progressivism in this country. There's the true believer, the mouth of progressivism, which is that MSNBC contributor. And then there's the progressivism, the petty progressivism carried out in your communities, in your school board, in your neighborhood, all over the country. And I thought that that was an amazing, an amazing picture of this. 
a guy, we, we've talked about all of the hypocrisy, not, you know, uh, talking into a microphone, handing it back to somebody who doesn't wear gloves, even though we're told by the, the, the doomsday sayers, oh, you got to wear gloves, you got to wear a mask, to a reporter that doesn't have gloves or a mask, talking about, you know, looks really, 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 really scary. Looks really scary. He's deaf. He's got a scythe. Looks really scary. And then he starts... Yeah, I don't think that we should open up the beaches because... Then it's Andy Kaufman? Because, because, <laughs> because um, we can spread it to more people, and I just don't think it's a very good job, a very good idea to, to, to open up the beaches right now because we don't want people to get sick. Uh, that is progressivism in a, in a nutshell. It is death. It looks like death. But really, once you, once you pour into it, a little bit more and actually um, have it, you know, show you the light and put some light on it. It really, really is not. You're getting bullied by all the kids whose asses you kicked in high school. Exactly. There's no teeth to it. It sounds exactly like that guy. If you push back just a little bit and allow them to talk a little bit. Uh, So that was probably my favorite. Death on a beach. Progressivism is when when in football practice, when you were kind of like, you know, in a one-on-one drill and you're just kind of you're walking back to the line and you're kind of sizing it up trying to time it to make sure if you can that you're not up against that one kid that you know you can't take and maybe somebody where you can look you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. progressivism is the kid that you're like all right i want to make sure i in high school i want to make sure these these karens leftists this is the kid i want to make sure i'm going against when it's my turn and now you're just letting him put your boot to your throat their size their size eight boots their size seven and a half boots to your throat you're letting them do it yeah. Okay. You know, the kid that you looked, that you knew that that was your slump buster in high school, that you made sure when the chicks were around, you made sure that, okay, she's, she's in the stands. I want to make sure I go against him in this drill that now you're, now you're, you're letting them in their skinny jeans molest you basically exit question on a scale of one to 10 with one being as reliable as a coronavirus model and 10 being as reliable as Joe Biden using the word intercourse weird rate this week's level of total depravity, Todd, 10, Shannon, 20. 10. I love coronavirus, Shannon. Let's get to issue two. They're just tyrants, guys. Petty tyranny was on full display this week. We already heard from Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot. Don't make us treat you like a criminal. But if you act like a criminal and you violate the law and you refuse to do what is necessary to save lives in the city in the middle of a pandemic, we will take you to jail, period. But around the country, city, county and state officials are doing their best Chairman Mao impressions. The big story came out of Texas, where Dallas salon owner Shelley Luther defined that area's stay-at-home order by opening up her business. She was later told by Judge Eric Moy that she'd be set free if she apologized and admitted what she'd done was selfish. I have to disagree with you, sir, when I when you say that I'm selfish, because feeding my kids is not selfish. I have hairstylists that are going hungry because they'd rather feed their kids. So, sir, if you think the law is more important than kids getting fed then please go ahead with your decision, but I am not going to shut the salon. Luther was sentenced to seven days in jail, but yesterday the Texas Supreme Court ordered her to be released. Shall we free? Shall we free? 
In Odessa, Texas, Big Daddy Zane's Bar had a SWAT team descend upon their establishment after they defied guidelines for businesses to reopen. In Apex, North Carolina, a tattoo parlor owner was arrested for defying that state's regulations on businesses. In New York, what started as an enforcement stop of people not social distancing turned into a cop beating a bystander for intervening. In Illinois, Governor J.B. Pritzker said this week churches would not be allowed to have in-person meetings for at least a year or until a vaccine for Wuhan coronavirus is developed. Meanwhile, criminals are still being set free, including seven sex offenders in California who were let out of jail in an effort to stop the spread of the virus in an Orange County prison. One man in Los Angeles was arrested and released three times in one day thanks to California's zero bail policy for the pandemic. And perhaps San Francisco takes the cake for most boneheaded with their health department taking donations of weed, alcohol, nicotine, and other substances and distributing them to homeless addicts being housed in hotels for quarantine. This is nothing to say of continued stay-at-home orders in numerous states, including Wisconsin, where a state Supreme Court judge called Governor Evers' orders, quote, the definition of tyranny, end quote. Perhaps no other summation of leftist attitudes about the pandemic is better than MSNBC contributor Anand Girat Hardis. There is a primordial American tradition going back to the founders of being freedom obsessed, even though we're a country founded on slavery and genocide, being freedom obsessed to the point that we are always so afraid of the government coming for us that we are blind to other types of threats, whether it's a virus, whether it's bank malfeasance or what have, climate change, what have you. I think the most important thing that could come out of this is realizing the government is not the biggest threat to our liberty. It can be a threat to our liberty, but we're threatened by many, many things. And what government fundamentally does is protect us from a lot of those other oppressions that we in America are often quite blind to. Another guy whose ass you kicked all through high school, you're letting you bully you right there, okay? And you know those homeless people in those San Francisco hotels, you're going to bring them their smokes, you're going to bring them their drink, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna bring them their buzz, you're going to bring them their, uh, their icky sticky. You know, they're all like, hey, where are the white women at? Where, where, where are the hookers and blow? I mean, why, 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 why stop there? Why stop there while you're at it? And Aaron didn't even mention the mayor of Kansas City. Did you guys see this one? No. He tried to tell t- churches in oh, Kansas yeah. City that they could reopen only if they, took, uh, if they reported uh, the, the, the people who oh, attended. Oh, yeah, I did see that. Yeah, that, that lasted yeah. for about yeah. 15 minutes. Before it got out into the media and the backlash, he backed down on that the very next day. Okay. So since Shannon, I, I ripped the headline uh, from uh, this uh, topic right out of your feed. Um, I'm going to go to you first. I think the answer to this question is important about where we're headed as a culture next after this is done. Did panic over the virus bring out the tyrant in government? Or did tyrants use the panic over the virus to bring out the government? Which one is it, Shannon? You know, I looked at the question. I I don't even really like to dwell on the why, the chicken versus the egg or where this came from. Just if you look at 4,000 years of human history, I mean, this is the, the nature of men and the nature of power. It is libido dominante, the lust for power. It is always there. It was it was here in our country 100 years ago, 200 years ago, as we framed the Constitution and, and built a new country. It was here 1,000 years ago, 2,000 years ago. And it is the one thing that Americans are not enough afraid of. 
Uh, they don't understand that power, corrupt, absolute power corrupts absolutely. And it dawned on me many, many weeks ago that this has nothing to do with saving lives. This has nothing to do with protecting Americans. Everything and anything that these, these governments are doing is about power. That's all it is. And that's so evidenced in New York State, guys. There is really evil stuff happening in New York State. And the headlines on Governor Andrew Cuomo should illuminate this to everyone. Okay, on March 25th, he is issued an executive order that in, that demanded, it forced nursing homes, every nursing home in New York State, to accept COVID-positive patients, not patients who were in the nursing home, but patients from outside mm -hmm. of the residency. Mm -hmm. And he did that at the same time, on that same day, they were talking about shutting down nursing homes. We have to shut down nursing homes to their families, to their friends, to their loved ones, to advocates, to attorneys, basically locking them away while, while injecting them with COVID-19 purposefully. There's no way that he didn't know what this was going to result in because there were dozens of nursing homes who spoke out on the record and said that this was going to lead to thousands of deaths in New York. And Andrew Cuomo in a press conference stood up and said, we don't care. You have to do this nursing homes or we're going to shut you down. We're going to come in. The state is going to take over your facility. And what that resulted in was COVID-19 positive patients being purposefully injected into nursing homes. This is why we have 5,000 plus deaths in our nursing homes. It's a genocide happening in New York right. State right yep. now in front of our faces. Yep. He knew what he was doing. It was purposeful what he was doing. There is all sorts of evidence out there. And this is what people need to understand. They have, there is no end to the lust for power. It will never end until we end it. This is why civil disobedience, this is why organization from the local level, this is why people talking to your friends and your family and your school boards is so important. Because if we sit around and wait for them in their phased reopening or their phased planned reopening, which is bullcrap, which I'd like to get to later in the program, they will never end. They will take our liberty little by little by little, one by one. They will destroy our, con our economy. It will continue to ramp down if we stay silent. This is why protest is the name of the day across the country in New York State. We have to push them and push them hard. Never give up. Never relent. Keep turning out because that's the only way that we're going to shut them down. Phenomenal. Todd, which, what, what do you think the answer to that question is? It's the latter. Tyrants using uh, the panic. We, we, this is, think about who we are, we were, pre-coronavirus. And again, the, the tyranny of the notion of the self and your feelings constantly defining you uh, to a maximum level at the cost of everything else, that's transgenderism. That's a people who, writ large, Many people have transgendered their own mind in many respects, thinking whatever feeling they have, if whether it has to do with gender or not, is the maximum maximum level of reality. When you have that, writ large, tyranny is going to happen. That is tyranny. I have a little example just from my own front yard last week. I live on a corner lot, and I'm mowing the lawn. And a guy in a motorcycle, so you think a guy on a motorcycle might kind of be, you know, live free or die, not wearing a helmet or anything. He comes up to the stop sign on the corner, and I see him out of my periphery, and, and he stops. And then he does a U-turn and turns around and, and bikes over to where I am. And he starts talking uh, to me. And so I, I stop with the lawnmower, and he says, are, are you going to... Sweep up these grass clippings that had blown into the street. I said, I just said, what? He said, are you going to sweep these up? I said, 
why do you care? He said, well, I just don't really like it, and it, it, it's dangerous, and you should do something. I'm in the middle of mowing my lawn. Like, mm-hmm. I haven't had a chance. I, and he said, you need to do this. And I said, you need to go to hell and get out of here and mind your own business. That's exactly what I said. And he looked at me like he's like, what? My, go on with your life. You have no idea what I was going to do. You just felt you needed to do this. That is society writ large on the right, on the left, all of the virtue signaling. We can't help but have a tyranny as long as we aren't serious about reality is, how we define it, how would we search for it. Aaron. Uh, I just want to say to what Shannon said earlier, I'm shocked. Shocked, I tell you, that a governor who in 2014 said that pro-lifers have no place in New York because that's not who New Yorkers are would do uh, and allow uh, at the very best, some of the things that uh, that Shannon just talked about. Shocked, I tell you, shocked. Just like sh- like uh, Andrew Cuomo was shocked that 66% of hospitalizations came from people who were, you know, sitting at home. Shocked, I tell you. But stay at home until we tell you not to. Right. I would say um, the answer to this question is definitely the latter. So we just, this went viral this morning. It's a video of an old man running... A, 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 a an ice tree, an ice cream oh, truck yeah. Yeah. in Illinois, who was just on, uh, who was just speared by a local media. He's an old man running an ice cream truck, just speared by the local media. There, the local media says, if you see this man, call nine one one. He's not wearing a mask. He's not wearing gloves. This is dangerous. The only reason that that we even know about that is because the guy who actually shot the video of the old man and started accosting him is actually a producer for that local media station, that CBS station out of Chicago. The only reason that we know about this now is because that guy happened to be a producer there. This is happening everywhere. This happens in your own community. It happens. It it literally happens. uh, It literally happens everywhere. People are are looking for excuses to turn somebody in to tattle for them we have multiple excuses everywhere another story from this this morning in texas as well and by the way is it just me or does it seem like half the examples of petty tyrants trying to get their chairman now impressions are coming on coming from texas is that just me uh or is that actually real but anyway uh, uh somebody running uh manicures out of their home a couple of women sentenced to 180 days in jail for failing to comply with stay-at-home orders. Guys, when we are living in a time when it seems, and it certainly I think is this way, that people are actively looking to turn their neighbors in, it should not be a shock that that was the way they were before this as well. Yep. They just needed an excuse. They just needed, the Joker says, a little push. And that's exactly mm. what we have. If your neighbors are doing this in your in your uh, suburban cul-de-sac, what do you think the the, the 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 school boards and the city boards, city councils are doing as well? Those people are there too. It's everywhere, so it's definitely the latter. That story about the salon operators in Texas. Go back to our conversation with Josh Hammer yesterday, who's an attorney, former clerk in the U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals, lives in Texas. Uh, he pointed out uh, that Governor Abbott down there went back and. Um, Re, uh, uh, he recanted part of his original executive order on shelter in place to say, um, you can't be jailed for this. Good. And the way that Texas law is set up, like local communities cannot override that. 
And so the fact that a local community came right out, the, you're telling me the, the very next day after the governor did this, they then That's tried to the arrest these people? the story is this morning. Yeah. No, and I think this so. actually is from a, uh, a couple of weeks ago. Okay. But that's, and it's just now coming to light? Yeah. Okay. But yeah, there's no, there's no question that um, you're seeing, here, here's the good news. There has been more boldness in conservative media that I have seen and pushing back against this, especially with the Republican president. Um, and it's come from a lot of media sources and places like American Greatness that are pretty strong supporters of the president. There's been more boldness in pushing back against this uh, with a Republican president than I can ever remember from the very beginning. And it's only growing. So what you're, what you're watching is all of the fault lines in America have, are now being exposed. Okay. You're, you're seeing the cold, the two sides of the cold civil war. Now you're seeing them out in the open and, and then you kind of see which segment of the, of the American people are kind of caught in between. Let's get to the exit question. True or false. The two Americas I just discussed have reached the point of irreconcilable differences. Aaron, obviously true. Shannon. I'd say true with a caveat. Um, and if you can allow me. It needs to be a very, very quick caveat. Okay. Um, I don't think that 50% of Americans are against the other 50%. I think that these battlers are on the periphery. Most Americans are, are sheep, uh, to be honest. I agree with you on that too. Yeah. They don't know. But by the way, it was that way in the independent war for independence. It's it's always that way. Yeah. Exactly. So, you know, I think that, that there's a lot of hope here. I mean, it's not that we need everyone to come around to our side. We just need to defeat the narrative. Tom with Aaron, obviously true. Okay. All right. When we come back, Hey, where's the MAGA at? Or is this going to become Trump's Iraq? Discuss that next. If you're thinking of replacing your carpets due to pet stains and odors, you must try Genesis 950 first before you consider making that big investment in new carpeting. Genesis 950, you need to know, is an amazing pet stain and odor remover, and it's made in America. It breaks down the bonds of stains and odors so they're gone for good, and its antibacterial component removes pet stains and odors from both the carpet and the padding. That's where the real bugaboo is. That's where things can look great on the outside, but still not smell that great inside the room, right? Because of the padding and Genesis 950, that's their speciality. It can be used in carpet cleaning machines, and it's so green that it's safe for your families and pets. So if you're tired of pet cleaners that don't work, it's time to try Genesis 950. You can use it to clean your whole house, but where it really shines is pet stain odor removers in your carpeting. Go to Genesis950.com. That's Genesis950.com. Use the discount code BLAZE to get your discount. Discount code BLAZE at Genesis950.com. Let's get back to the Dace group. And let's get to issue three. MAGA or Trump's Iraq? As early as March 22nd, President Trump tweeted, We cannot let the cure be worse than the problem itself. At the end of the 15-day period, we'll make a decision as to which way we want to go. It's now been 52 days since the original 15 days to flatten the curve plan went into effect, and in that time, President Trump has been all over the place. 
Our country wasn't built to be shut down. This is not a country that was built for this. It was not built to be shut down. We're going to have a couple of weeks starting pretty much uh, now, but especially a few days from now that are going to be horrific. I said earlier today that I hope we can do this by Easter. I think that would be a great thing for our country and we're all working very hard to make that a reality. And is it possible that these April 30th guidelines could be extended? Well, we hope not, but we think it's going to, uh, you know, we have aspirational thoughts. Uh, We would have loved to have been a little bit sooner. As I've said for some time now, a national shutdown is not a sustainable long-term solution. To preserve the health of our citizens, we must also preserve the health and functioning of our economy. I want the states to open more than he does, much more than he does. But I didn't like to see spas at this early stage, nor did the doctors. Is that a correct statement, Deborah? I didn't like to see spas opening, frankly. I didn't like to see a lot of things happening, and I wasn't happy with it. And I wasn't happy with Brian Kemp. Our strategy will continue to protect senior citizens and other vulnerable populations. At some point, we won't have to do that. But until we feel it's safe, we're going to be extending. All right, so Todd, let me start with you. How how did Trump get from proclaiming himself the architect of the greatest economy since God talked to Moses to handing his man parts over to Fauci Burks? How did this happen, do you think? Well, we've talked about this before. Uh, I'm open to other suggestions, but I, I, I think the fact that he is a New Yorker and New York was ground zero uh, for this uh, pandemic in America. It, it, he just could not get outside of that. I think if he was a Texan or just about anything else, an Iowan, uh, I think he would have, we would have had a better chance of him listening to us more regular, the likes of us Mm -hmm. more regularly than uh, falling for, him uh, and maybe i'm giving him too much of the uh benefit of the out of that i mean his job is to sort through that but let's see look at how much heavy lifting uh steve i mean you've done on this show yourself the research you've done the people you've talked to um if, if, if you are getting medical advice from credentialed people that those two obviously are and look at now somebody steps up we just got done talking uh, yesterday you know there's this video that's gone viral somebody who steps up to the plate and takes issue with dr fauci's credentials instantly quack that can't even be on uh it's got to be it's reality it's existence has got to be wiped out of existence that's what you're competing against with an alternate theory so obviously trump's getting nothing from the inside other than them i mean he's just he's in a bubble that he clearly has been i mean we thought at times what three weeks ago now that maybe he, he was going to we were hoping he was going to jettison all this nonsense and open up far earlier we never got close to that i, I just think he's a new yorker through and through that dominates his mind on multiple levels not just this one so he is who we thought he was aaron latest unemployment numbers are out we have lost over 22 million people from the workforce since last december we now have, we, we actually had the, the highest rate of full employment in American history just a few months ago. We now have the lowest percentage of Americans actively in the labor force since 1973, the year I was born. 
Uh, the Bureau of Labor Statistics says there's actually a coding error. So the 15% unemployment rate you're seeing right now, which is five points higher than any rate we've had since the Great Depression. The BLS is saying there's a coding error. It's actually higher than that. It's closer to 20% now is the unemployment rate. And the, and the overwhelming amount of that unemployment is in the private sector. So what, I'm, what do you think is going on there every day in the White House? Because I can tell you for a fact, I know this for a fact. The vast majority of people working in that White House are looking at the same data that we're looking at, saying the same things we're saying. I know this for, for real. I know this is well, true. The, are they saying it to him? I see that's well, I, I, I mean, I don't know what goes on there. That's my I'm asking it rhetorically. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's but they I, might but think I, but, it, but I know all the conversations we're having here and places like this, Aaron, they're having in the White House, too. I know they are. I know this for a fact. So what's going on, do you think? Is he just is, is Nicholas Tsar Nicholas II just bewitched by Rasputin Burks? What, what, what's going on here? There's no there's no there's no answer to this other than just just a deductive reasoning from what we have seen. And that is a, a, a true lack of leadership. And I think there's a number of factors that that point to that. And Todd mentioned one of them. And it, listen, guys. Um, a double-minded man. We have never shied away from calling Donald Trump that. That, that. that can work in our favor. That can work against us sometimes. It can work in our favor in expanding the Overton window. It can work against us when it actually comes down to brass tacks and doing things. But a double-minded man who hails from New York City, who probably knows dozens upon dozens, if not scores of people who have been infected, probably knows it's his several. his generation that's dying. Because it's ge his generation yep. that's dying, probably knows several personally, maybe that he's come in contact that have died from this virus. He's a famous germaphobe before he got into got into uh, politics and all of these factors together means that there is probably as big of a likelihood that this is just a fear-based type of reactionary decision making and uh, people people like Fauci Burks whispering in his ear the sweet nothings like worm tongue probably don't do that any good. So you've got all of these factors together and you come up with uh, just a lack of leadership, which is what we needed. Now, if we would just had even even take somebody from the Heritage Foundation, multiple people from the Heritage Foundation, multiple people from uh, name your favorite conservative economic think tank. And they were the only people on the coronavirus task force board. Would that be a prudent thing? No, I, I don't think it would be, would it? Now, would it also be uh, prudent if the only people on the coronavirus task force were uh, just medical professionals or entrenched bureaucrats from the NIH? Would that be a bad thing, too? Well, that's exactly what we've got. We hired this guy. We elected this man to be a leader, to make calls that only presidents can, can, can make. Not that a doctor, not, a, not, not that a, a bureaucratic epidemiologist would make. And right now, it seems like the only calls that are being made are from the bureaucratic epidemiologists. Those Bakersfield doctors who were immediately dismissed as kooks a couple of weeks ago, they accurately deduced, when was the last time that President Fauci was even in practice? Now, if he was in practice right now, that doesn't make every decision that he uh, encourages uh, the president to make. That doesn't automatically make it right. But that just shows you how far disconnected 
that the people who are making the policy decisions and have been for the last seven weeks are from the reality of America on the ground. That is a bad thing. We elected somebody, and I I would say I, I didn't vote for him, but I know lots of the people, the majority of the people watching this show voted for a guy to make the calls, to weigh all of his advisors and make the best call for America. And right now, it seems like the only calls that are being made is to turn America or treat America like it's New York City. And that has wrought what you just noted. Uh, I believe it was, uh, I don't want to go for, on for too long here, but I believe it was uh, Jake Tapper yesterday. We have now lost as many people as could fill uh, Spartan Stadium in East Lansing from this virus in the United States. Well, you know what? I don't think there's enough stadiums in the world to fill the number of people who have lost their jobs in just one country right. because of the decisions that we've been making. We only but have nobody three talks states. about that. And it seems like nobody in the White House, at least nobody on that coronavirus task force for the last seven weeks, cares a damn thing about that. At least we know, though, that Dr. Fauci, and I'm going to keep saying this, Dr. Fauci would like to have Brad Pitt play him in a movie, because that's really important, and that shows how well-connected and connected he is to the soul of America, but I digress. We only have three states that have the that have 22 million people living there, Florida, Texas, and California. Those are the only three states that have a population as, as, as big or larger than the amount of Americans that have lost their jobs because of coronavirus. Shannon, you get a minute to close this out. Go ahead. Um, I think that we're seeing what we all knew from the very beginning about Donald Trump. He's not just a New Yorker. He is a New York liberal progressive. He is an, um, he's a marketer. And once again, it's all hat, no cattle. It's all show, no go. He tells Republicans and conservatives what they want to hear. He turns around and does the exact opposite. We knew this from the very beginning of his presidency. We knew this every single time he passed a horrible budget that furthered all of the Democrat liberal progressive authority or uh, uh you know, agenda items. And none of this should be surprising to anyone. He is abdicating his power. He's doing everything that is wrong. He is tanking his chances for reelection in 2020. And I don't know why he's doing it, but I think that his true colors are coming out. This guy is a masterful marketer. He knows exactly what to do to get people to rally to his base. But again, he tells you what you want to hear. And then he does the exact opposite. He is the swamp. People need to understand that. And they need to know that he's not going to save you. He's not going to do anything to save this country if you want to fight for liberty you have to do it from your own state from your own town from your own village because he's he's fooled all of us exit question if the odds trump is reelected this fall were a john cougar mellencamp song which john cougar mellencamp song would it be a hurt so good b it's a lonely old night or c r-o-c-k in the usa shannon if he continues it's a lonely night there's no way he'll be reelected todd same Lonely night. Yeah, I I would have told you even a, a couple of weeks ago, no way he's losing to candidate dementia, team dementia. But if, 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 they, if he doesn't get back on the ball here, it won't matter who they nominate. He's going to lose. Um, but if he does get back on the ball here, it doesn't matter who they nominate. He can also win, but we'll see. Issue four. Yes, we're going to do this. Best albums of the 1980s. 
For the past seven weeks, all stores have been forced to close, except the ones that aren't. Vast swaths of people are supposed to stay indoors, except those who don't. You should wear a cloth mask, except those who don't want to. And what happens in overtime stays in the overtime, except for the stuff that doesn't, which is exactly what happened earlier this week when a listener submitted his top ten list of the best albums of the 1980s, which we talked about on the post-show show. Steve went on Twitter to provide his take on the top ten albums of the 80s, and number 10, it's Hysteria, 9, 1984, 8, Born in the USA, 7, Slippery When Wet, 6, The Joshua Tree, 5, Rhythm Nation, 1814, 4, Pyromania, 3, Purple Rain, 2, Thriller, and 1, Back in Black. By the way, I got to make an addendum. How did somebody email me? I can't remember who it was. As great of an album as Hysteria is, Who You Lose in the News of Sports has to be on that list, so I got to put it at number 10. I mean, how, how did What's we the forget? What's the best note? What's the best known song on that one? Um, I Want a New Drug is on that one. Um, I mean, there's a ton of good songs. That, that, that whole album is great. That whole album is great. Um, but what is the best album of the 1980s? Multiple choice. Shannon, A, Back in Black. B, Back in Black, Shannon. Or C, Back in Black. Your answer. I'm so surprised that that's what you, that was the list you gave because honest to God, Back in Black is my, not my all-time favorite album in the history of the world. Not just the 1980s. Finally, a woman with taste. Finally. 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 Finally, someone someone else enlightened. Todd, your answer. A, not. B, not. (laughs) C, not. D, fired. We've now got 22 million and one people looking for jobs in America. Aaron, your answer. Uh, this didn't even come out in the 80s, but I'm just saying it to trigger you. It's Al Stewart's Year of the Cat. <laughs> let's get to predictions. Quickly, Aaron, go. Uh, let's see. So uh, the, 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 the NFL released its schedule last night. Uh, the Chiefs play the Texans the very first game of the season. I am making a prediction on the record right now. Now, this is not my uh, famous uh, Hall of Fame game prediction. I'm going to save that for a little bit later because that's more special. But uh, Chiefs versus Texans week one, I believe the Texans are actually going to come out on top on that one. They beat you guys last year. Yep. yep. And they should have won in the uh, in the divisional round. Todd? There's a better than 50% chance that um, Iowa sports here and uh, summer sports here, which we have baseball and softball, it's a summer thing, are going to get canceled and I think that based on what you said, the MLB season right mm-hmm. now is scheduled to start when? They're looking at late June, 1st of July. See, yeah. Even though they're thinking exactly opposite of what they should be, they're going to say we can't do it before pro baseball starts. And they're just going to look for cover there. All right. Shannon. Um, I'm going to agree with Todd. The, the cancel everything culture is going to continue until we make them stop. I mean, there will be no end in sight. Andrew Cuomo is already talking about shutting down schools in the fall again because of a particularly nasty flu season. Even they though he will, admitted that was a mistake to do. No, they're doing it. They're, they're, it's, it will never. I'm telling you, it will not end. I did, though. I scored my own black market haircut yesterday in a garage. It's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. I'm also predicting the, the black market. Now, my nails are terrible. I need a pedicure. I need a manicure. All of these things. Listen, it's recession proof. Beauty. Pe- girls still want to look pretty. They just do. If you had worn your pink shirt, we wouldn't even be able to tell you apart from Steve right now. If this continues in New York State, next time we see Shannon, she's going to look like she did in the 80s, rocking to back in black, but totally unintentionally. All right. Uh, My prediction is the final wave, because I disagree. I think we're in the end game of this. That's why it's getting really gross. I think we're in the end game. 
And I think I think one of the final rash of stories we're going to see is there's going to be more Neil Ferguson's. There's going to be a rash of stories locked down for thee, but not for me. Hmm. I think we're going to see a ton more of those on the way out the door. Shannon, good to see you as always. Take care. God bless. Thanks, Dad. We'll come back hour two. It's Feedback Friday. Stay tuned. We're back with Hour 2, live and on demand on Blaze TV radio podcast. Steve Dace here with Todd Erzin and Aaron McIntyre and all of you. Steve at stevedace.com is how you can email the program. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. And if you're looking for clips of this show that you can sample yourself and then share with others, go to youtube.com slash Steve Dace. That's youtube.com slash Steve Dace. Oh, and don't forget... Five-star reviews and the podcast. That's where you come in. Help us help you after you helped us. Doesn't quite have the same ring to it, does it? Just give us a five-star review, please. Uh, The more of those, if you like us. If you don't, don't lie. But if you do like us, go all in. Uh, We need all of those we can get. Thousands of you have done this for us already. Thank you. Let's keep those coming. We would appreciate that very much. And now it is time for the feedback that you've been sending to us here the last few weeks. Brought to you by Riduzone. Be honest. Since the lockdown started, have your weight loss goals, your fitness goals, have they, uh, for 2020, have they fallen by the wayside? That's why they're calling it the Quarantine 15. Well, now that the warmer weather is here, why don't we hit the reboot button and declare May the new January and get back on track with your weight loss goals? Dr. Developed Riduzone can help because it's an excellent way to curb those cravings of those kinds of foods that you love but can derail your discipline. And remember, it's not Usually what you're eating, but how much, and that's where Riduzone comes in, backed by two U.S. patents. It's the only FDA-accepted product that includes OEA, the naturally occurring molecule that helps you to feel full faster and burns stored fat so you can reduce your calorie intake. Riduzone makes it easier to resist those cravings. So get back on the wagon with Riduzone, but you can only get it on their website, riduzone.com. That's R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E for riduzone.com. Go there, use the promo code Steve, and you're going to get up to 65% off plus free shipping, a huge discount, up to 65% off plus free shipping with promo code Steve at riduzone.com. All right, to the inbox we go, and we start with this from Scott. He says, my wife works at Martin Transport, which is a national trucking company based in Mondovi, Wisconsin. Randy Martin, so you're familiar with it, right? Sure. Yeah. Randy Martin, past CEO of the company, has had a battle with cancer for years. Recently, he was contacted by Mayo Clinic to get tested for COVID-19, even though he was currently not showing any symptoms. And his test came back positive. They traced it back to a Formula One race which he attended last November in Austin, Texas, where there were race teams from Italy at the race. He was sick in December from what they called at the time flu-like symptoms. Do you know how many of these emails I have received? November. Do you know how many of these emails I've received like this? I mean, I, I could do whole Feedback Fridays where I just read your emails and I'm, I'm going to get a bunch more after, because every time I share one, I get a whole bunch more. I have probably been emailed about this more than anything in my career 
since um, the 2016 election in the last five years or four years. More common, less dangerous, mm-hmm. not a single place in America short of New York tri-state area. And you can all debate that. Uh, th- those of you who live there should have been locked down, period. End of sentence. Well, yeah, now you have the study out of New York that is saying basically New York City ceded this yes. to the whole country. Yes. Yeah. And, I mean, I, we were talking about it uh, during the break. It hasn't come up on the show yet today. But what Oregon State University is trying to pull right now, you know, so they're doing an infectious uh, prevalence, an infectious prevalency test of Corvallis, their hometown. And they're literally going house to house. And they're, they're finding that it's, it, I think the rate was two in a hundred was, was the infection rate. They're not testing for antibodies. They're testing for infections. Okay. So they're not testing for serology. They're, they're testing to see if you test positive for COVID-19. They're doing the tests that governors like ours in Iowa, Governor Reynolds, Governor Kemp in Georgia, Abbott in Texas. Um, the governors that have been the most, aggre- the most aggressive reopeners are doing this kind of testing. That's what they're doing in Oregon. And they're finding almost no infections at all. And they're telling you, though, they won't show you their data. And that doesn't mean that Oregon should reopen. That's tyranny, too. That, absolutely it is. Absolutely it is. When we talked last hour about what's going on with Donald Trump here, I think there's another factor. I do think the New York City factor is a, is a major factor. And I'm, I'm told from uh, a couple different little birdies that he is just enthralled with Debbie Burks. They're the same age. He like, you know, she's a classy lady. He likes women like that. He surrounds himself with women like that. And he just, he's enthralled with her. But there's another factor here. And that's the ego. His desire, and I wrote about this for The Blaze this week. He has this desire to have every morsel of his coronavirus response affirmed. And so I think the ego is preventing the humility from saying, all right, man, let's get back to MAGA here. I think the ego is a big factor too. Now though, as with everything with Trump, everything cuts both ways. The ego works to our factor as well. Because what I'm also hearing is he is not happy with the stat padding of deaths because he can see what's coming down the pike with this. You mentioned last hour, you know, Jake Tapper, we could fill Spartan Stadium in East Lansing with this, right? Mm-hmm. What, what's going on here? So here's what I really think is happening with the nursing home deaths. I think some of it is incompetence, the desire to lock you and I down and not take care of the most vulnerable. We, we know this is how government operates. Almost every time it engages in an initiative, uh, to target and to help a specific populace, that group almost is always worse off. I mean, that's that's a given, right? Mm-hmm. We know by nature government hunts hunts mice with elephant guns. We know this, right? So that's a factor here. I don't want to downplay that. But I don't think it's the lone factor here. I think, I think a whole bunch of people are playing fantasy football with our dead elderly. Here's what I mean by that. You're watching your favorite team. They're getting, they're getting punked on a Sunday afternoon. But your quarterback is who you have in your fantasy team. 
and you need him to throw a touchdown at the end of the game, you're still going to lose, right? You're down by two touchdowns. But you're really rooting for that him to get that garbage time touchdown in the fourth quarter because you need those points for your fantasy team. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. They call that padding your stats, right? That's what I think is happening here. I, I think we're just we're just tagging swaths of elderly with COVID-19 so that the bureaucracy can hit 100,000 deaths and use that as a magic number of panic porn. Not to keep the lockdowns going, but the actually the exact opposite, to declare their victory. They'll see, take I, either. Yeah, yeah, I think they, see, I think, I, I think, I think a lot of the bureaucracy wants out of this too. Not the, not the petty tyrants in public office, but a lot of the bureaucracy is embarrassed by what's happening because the data makes them all look really bad. And then there's the real world examples, you know, with what's happened with Wisconsin holding its election that didn't lead to a mass, uh, you know, massive new infections. All of all of the data, empirical and anecdotal, all makes the bureaucracy look bad. I think the I think the bureaucracy wants out, but but they they don't they're not going to take an out that that forces them to admit they were wrong. They're never that's not how bureaucracies work. So they're going to pad all their stats get you some garbage time touchdowns here, like in a fantasy team of dead elderly bodies. So they can hit their magic number of hundred K and say, see, it would have been worse if we hadn't done this. We warned you it was a hundred thousand on the low end. We were right. Thank us. And then, you know, they'll hand that football off to the, to the political apparatus. So they can then say stuff like, you know, hundred thousand, you know, Americans died on Trump's watch twice as many as Vietnam, et cetera. They can have that talking point. And that's where Trump's ego now works the other way too, is I'm, I'm, I'm told that he is aware of this and not happy with it. So I could see him begin to push back on it at the exact same time. So he's, that he's not the president that has to run on a hundred thousand dead bodies from a virus that, he, that his opponents are going to say he didn't protect us from, even though the things that he did to try to protect us from this, they called him a racist and a xenophobe at the time for trying to do those things. But that's the way the political game is played. So that, that's what I think is happening now. Well, here's the pathetic thing on both sides. The panic porn peddlers and Donald Trump. The, the easiest way to get to 100,000, if, if it's true is just to be honest and we come back right where we started with this letter admit this started in november i told you on this show and i still believe it you're not going to get to 100 uh, uh dead based on starting where everybody says we started but if you go back into november you can get to that number like i said my dad died a week before the week we started talking about this nonstop, they said he died of uh, pneumonia and he had multiple comorbidities. He may have had COVID. Here, and that's why they, in February, But here's Steve. why the bureaucracy won't do that, though. If they admit that, because I haven't said this the last few days, but again, my position based on my research is not that the lockdowns are dumb or bad. Beyond the larger collateral damage, now we got CBS News wants to let us know we might lose 75,000 additional Americans because of despair, you know, depression, suicide, et cetera, because of the lockdowns, which we've been warning about from day one, right? Okay, it's not beyond just the larger societal cost. 
The other reason I believe the lockdowns were dumb is they came too late. You caught it too late. And it was here the whole time, infecting far more people and killing far more people than we believe. Now, I haven't said that the last few days, but that remain, I, my, that's still my position. When I, if I see data points that change my mind on that, I'll tell you. But until I see data points that change my mind on that, I am about as confident of that assertion as almost any assertion I have made, contrarian assertion I've made in my entire career that that's the case. But if here's the thing though, Todd, if they admit that, then, then they have to also admit the shutdowns were a terrible public policy. Correct. And they won't do that. So we're going to pat our stats on the back end instead. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to tag them and bag them. As many of these, we don't care about them anyway, because we don't care about innocent lives. Status don't care. We know that. Right. So whether it's an unborn baby or somebody's grandpa that they left at a nursing home and never go see, they don't care. So they're going to tag them and bag them. All right. They're going to let the bodies hit the floor here on the way out the door to get their magic number on the back end. Because if they retrograde this, then they have to admit that they missed it from the beginning and it was too late to, to shut it down. And they're not going to do that. So they're going to do it on the back end. So that gives them the, the public perception win for the sheeple that they want. I believe they're not going to do that. I believe you're correct. But the question is why? I, I With all of this, it it's not because I think they're really afraid of being wrong. I mean, politic, right, left, most medical professionals that aren't deeply involved in epidemiology all could have said, man, we trusted the experts. And that's why they don't want to admit it. Because if they say, you know what, we have to start questioning the experts progressivism is all that's about exactly right. quite yep. believing yep. the smarty pants yep. is everywhere and yep. that's the, the rabbit hole they won't go down that that but that you're saying you're you're putting a finer point on my point oh we're not yeah. dis in disagreement yeah. but but that but that's that's at the heart of the motivation what you just described is why they won't retrograde this why they don't want to know why you want to know one of the reasons why we have when, daniel horowitz's source of the white house told me the other day that the, the data and research we're sharing with you on platforms like The Blaze and shows like this is not any different than what they're getting in the White House and it's often ahead of what they're getting in the White House. Do you want to know why? I'll tell you why. It's the same reason why Oregon State's not going to show you their data on their, on their infection rate test. The more data they show, the worse this looks. The more data they show, the worse this looks. It's, it's not a coincidence. You want to know the countries that have been the most transparent about their data? Denmark. Sweden, which didn't agree, by the way. Denmark went hard into a lockdown. Sweden did not. Okay. Denmark, Sweden, Iceland, Taiwan. Those countries have been extraordinarily transparent about their data. They also have been the most aggressive in reopening at the exact same time. They're not all, are they all the same ideology? No. No. Are they all the same socioeconomically? No. No. But- there has been an earnest desire. They, they didn't even have the same policies, all right? Taiwan went into more of a lockdown than Sweden did, but not as hardcore as Denmark did. Denmark went into a hardcore lockdown. Sweden went pretty laissez-faire. Iceland has kind of been a little bit between Taiwan and Sweden and what it's done. But there was an earnest desire there to not, to not use this to create a political outcome but to honestly know what was in the best interest of the public health. And while they took varying positions, what was the best thing? You know, some went hardcore, some did not. 
while they took various public policy positions on what was the right remedy, they were all actively seeking that remedy, not seeking to get a certain narrative in their media or certain political outcome in an election later in the same year, not trying to use this, but looking at it as nothing more than a public, a public health crisis. And so they were very transparent about their data. Denmark, for example, Denmark has provided something we've not done in the United States. And that is a national serology prevalency study. And then, and then releasing those numbers based on decade. And with that, that's, that's where we first, if you want to know where Daniel started really looking at what was going on in America's nursing homes, it's when Denmark released their serology study decade by decade that found until you got to 60 years old or somewhere in the mid fifties, this had a 0.8, a 0.87 or 0.087 death rate, case fatality rate. When you got into the late 50s and above, it starts hitting that 0.1 number that the flu is and higher. And so we started looking for these numbers. Well, can we get these numbers in the US? Nope. So then we start looking at news headlines. Since we can't get anything stratified from official data at CDC, we start looking at news headlines. And that's where Daniel then starts seeing this incredible, he starts seeing these governors coming out and reporting their death rates and how many are in long-term care facilities. And he starts noticing the trend. Then he starts back, that, that's where this all started. This whole thing, if you want to know how we discovered and how Daniel really discovered what was going on in America's nursing homes, that essentially right now, if you're not 70 and in a nursing home, you're not dying of this. Except for very rare outliers that everything else in life is a rare outlier because we all die. There's no pandemic outside of America's nursing homes anywhere in America right now. If you want to know how we found that out, what got Daniel going down that road, it's when we found out, is when we looked at Denmark's antibody study, how comprehensive it was, how broken down it was, and then realized we're not getting that kind of data here. So we had to piece it together ourselves. And the piece of the puzzle was, look what's going on in the nursing homes. The countries of various political persuasions that, were, that never saw this as a means to an end. They were not interested in accomplishing any policy other than their own views of public health, how to manage public health crisis. And they chose different ways of doing it. New Zealand did a hardcore lockdown. It's coming out of that now. And, and it's one of the main places for filming of TV shows and movies, even here in the West. They're letting those shows resume production. So you're going to get your Amazon series on Lord of the Rings next year on time because they're back in production right now for that, apparently. So again, these weren't countries that all agreed, all thought Sweden was great and Steve, D Steve Dace and Daniel Horowitz were right on. Some thought we were morons. Some didn't want to do what Sweden did, but they all had one thing in common. And that was they were just earnestly trying to manage a national healthcare crisis. They weren't trying to turn this into an opportunity to transform the country like Joe Biden and so many Democrats have said. So America jumped the progressive shark. Yes. Yeah. It just yep. said, you're and that, and that's, my beer. Yes. And that's why countries that are more socialist than we are, more pagan than we are, uh, more to the left than we are. That's why, but, but they've been in the end, this was just about managing a public health crisis to them. And so that you can, I can promise you the more transparent is somebody who's done as much research on any as anyone in America has done on this story in the last month, two months. I can promise you there is a direct correlation between the more transparent a country is to how more to, to their aggression in in their reopening, which means the inverse is also true. The less the less transparent they are, 
the less aggressively they reopen. They're both, th th those, those things are both true. And that's, that's the commonality of countries that have a lot of other things not in common, except that one thing. For whatever reason, and I think we probably know most of them, there was a large block of the credentialed class in America that was not interested in purely seeing this through the lens of a public health crisis. Look at CDC yesterday. They can't secure our nursing homes, but they want to they chime in on mail-in voting. Hey, go copulate yourself. That's my answer to the CDC. Get the bleep out of here. Yep. All right. Are you kidding me? Hell to the no. Nope. Not doing that. Tell your boy Joe, go get his own votes. We're not doing that. But thanks. That's the difference. And some of these are like, you know, leftist countries that have mail-in voting. But they weren't interested in using this for a means to an end. The means to an end was, how do we, how do we cure the public health crisis? That was their only mission. And you can't get a lot of this data. Because the more data they provide, the worse it looks. Let me share something with you that I tweeted out this morning. So, uh, essentially, 37,000 Americans that aren't in a nursing home have died of COVID-19. That's the real number. People that aren't, and from a, from a public, well, let, let me rephrase that. All of the other people that died, they're real too. But we're looking at this from a public policy standpoint, whether we can reopen, get our economy back, et cetera. The people in nursing homes, are they working full-time? No, they're retired, okay? They're in the twilight of their years. So if you're not, the amount of people not in a nursing home that have died of COVID-19, when you look at the actual data, is about 37,000. So keep that number in mind when I share this with you. So here, according to CDC's own data, I went and looked this up today and did the math myself. Percentage of Americans not in nursing homes killed by these things, according to CDC. Malignant neoplasms, 0.05%. Heart disease, 0.04%. Unintentional injury, 0.03%. Suicide and coronavirus are both at 0.01%. You want old people to die, Steve? I mean, that's it. That's left. Just the, the dumbest juvenile playground when you're eating your boogers in, you know, third grade rhetoric. That's it. That is all that's left for this nonsense. Let's let's do a couple of emails that we'll get back to more on coronavirus in a minute, but a couple of on a different topic. This is from Tim Welter. I'm a graduate student in history at a major student at a major state university, and I'm a socialist. I often listen to these show because you have an honest, fully thought out worldview. I disagree with almost all of it, though. The Democratic Party never really believed in identity politics, woke culture or me too. It has always been a cudgel to use against any economic left or populist movement. Dems in the media champion Christine Blasey Ford and not Tara Reid, partly for political reasons, but also because Blasey Ford represents the kind of person they want in their party. Reid does not. I hate using the term virtue signaling. Many on the right use it to describe behavior that I believe is actually virtuous. However, it should be painfully clear that much of the liberal progressive discourse is virtue signaling. Putting pronouns in a Twitter bio is easier than making sure trans people can get their health care that they need. Speaking Spanish on a debate stage is easier than providing quality schools, housing, and health care in minority communities. These are signals between the educated professional class that they are on the good side, but nothing will fundamentally change. Tara Reid's accusations should be the start of a sea change in the Democratic Party. It won't be. They can still correctly say Trump is even worse. 
I'm reminded of... Uh, I, I can't add any commentary to that. I'm reminded of Donkey talking to Shrek in the Donkey. first Shrek movie when yes. Shrek's just endlessly ripping on him and is only a true friend would be that truly honest. <laughs> <laughs> That's... Hey, man, I, this is... I like... I like talking to people Wipe your like shoes, you. wipe your face. That's my favorite You're Shrek line. You're a yes, true so. believer, <laughs> and you believe the sign... Of making sure your arguments stand up to stuff is not raw oppression, just you shaking your fist at the sun, but be- talking about these ideas as openly as possible in the arena of ideas. And at the very least, you deserve a helmet sticker for that by just, oh, hey, this is my, I know this is kind of my team, yeah. but my team sucks. Bravo. Yeah. That's what we do on the show all Agreed. the time. Yeah. See, I now, see. I think that's somebody I can share a country with. See, and that's even what I was vehemently about to disagree say. Yeah. with. Yeah. Because there's an earnest interest in pursuing what we think is objectively true. We just have a different you definition would, of what's objectively true. This guy would think, yeah. man, he would be looking forward to like, I can't wait to. I'm going down to the bar tonight. This is your I, Swedish socialist. No, I, is what I, this I'm, guy I'm is. I'm going to have a beer with my friend Steve, and we're going to yell at each other for two hours about what we think is important. Right. And then we're going to say, Hey, God bless you and the family. I'll see you next. Day. A guy like this yep. would be like that. I agree. I agree with that. Jody in Utah, in light of the new information on General Flynn, does that change any of the Edward Snowden situation? He released documents to WikiLeaks about government malfeasance, according to him, and moved to Russia for safety. He's been dragged through the mud by both sides over all that. I now wonder how much we were gaslighted on that. It seems to me that was the first leak in the dike, so to speak. Well, here's my position on Edward Snowden. I don't believe he's a traitor for uh, whistleblowing on the surveillance program. Ultimately, this is a representative republic. And if he's working for the government and they're doing things that are unconstitutional, he works for us, not for the government, because the government works for us. So I don't had, I never had an issue with Edward Snowden whistleblowing on the surveillance program whatsoever. And if what he said was false, then why the hell was there a massive move to reform the surveillance program after he said it, right? My issue with Snowden came after the fact, all right, um, holding up in Russia. Maybe I'm just a child of the 80s, but I think a general rule... <laughs> Is you know Americans don't go to Russia to become safer, <laughs> but they do take their honeymoons in Moscow. Oh no, that's just yeah. burning. So I, now that could be my generational bias. I'm a child of the '80s, but just as a general rule, I don't think we go to Russia to be safer. So I have no problem whatsoever with him leaking the surveillance program. I do wonder what was the price for his safety in Russia for the last few years. That's what I wonder about. You think Putin just put him up there just because he's a real big, he's just, Putin's a champion of civil liberties. <laughs> yes. And he's just, he's just, yeah. he's just put him up there for the last few years, just, you know, because he's a true believer in the cause. I, there, there, some toll had to be paid, don't you think? Yeah. So, so what was it? What was, what, what, what was the, what was the tax he had to pay? What was the jizya that he had to pay there uh, to Dur Putin, Dur Putin? to live there for the last few years outside of our jurisdiction. I'm sure it was not simply just uh, Vladimir's commitment to the former head of the KGB's commitments to civil liberties. That's my issue with Snowden. Yeah, and you don't, it's an important question to ask, uh, but you also, you don't have to make sure that in your mind that this is apples to apples. You can have distinctions just like within General Flynn. Did he get railroaded and screwed? Absolutely. Would he and was he competent at the job he was appointed to do you you can have a totally different opinion about that mm-hmm. and everybody just put down all of your silly silos and just weigh and measure what actually needs to be weighed and measured to get to actual truth and justice but jody i think you're asking that yeah. you asked a good you're asking good questions i mean i, I am 
I'm reevaluating. I, I told you, I've, you guys, I've been telling you guys this for the last few months. I am more informationally radicalized than I've ever been. And I was having a conversation this morning with, with Gaston Mooney, one of our, our uh, co-mucky mucks here at, Blaze, at, at the Blaze. The greatest challenge for me right now is keeping this vow behind my, over my shoulder. All right, truth be told here. And it, it's not because I'm, I'm going to try to intentionally lie to you. It's because I don't know what information that I'm being asked to analyze is even true. I don't. I mean, I've, I got into this business, you know, 12 years ago. I'm not, I'm not unfamiliar with media bias. I was on MS, I've been on MSNBC 50 some odd times. I wrote for Business Insider, USA Today, uh, Politico, places that the right mocks. I've been the lone or token, one of their token conservative voices in these places. I'm probably more aware of how they operate internally than most conservative media people are because I've gotten a paycheck or an appearance uh, or two on these entities and platforms that they would never give the time of day to. But it's one thing to know that it's similar to the conversation we just had about the socialist gentleman that emailed us. Him and I both want to find objectively true information. We're just going to disagree about which information or what that objectively true information may mean. And that's where our biases come in. I can navigate the liberal media bias. What I can't navigate is whole cloth conjuring. Just whole cloth and then conspiring with public institutions to just cast narratives that are just whole cloth. Nothing is true about them at all. There's nothing true. I don't know how to analyze that. And that's going to be the great challenge then as we look for alternative sources of information is to make sure we don't fall for a different banana in a different tailpipe. More in a moment. So here's something you might not know about your dog's food, that dry kibble stuff. You know, there's nothing alive in it. Food like that has to have a long shelf life, so the manufacturers sterilize it. And the result is that your dog isn't getting all the nutrients it needs to live a happy, healthy life. And that's where Rough Greens comes in. It's a premium dog food supplement. That's right. Our dogs need it just like we do. The reason we're taking so many supplements today is a lot of these live cultures are taken out of our foods too. For the same reasons, mass consumption, long shelf life. Same thing is happening with our pets. And that's where Rough Greens comes in. It's not a dog food. It's a powder that you sprinkle on your dog's food to make it even better. Because it contains massive amounts of vitamins, minerals, digestive enzymes, probiotics, even omega oils and antioxidants. The kinds of things that support healthy skin and coat, plus improve digestion and give your dog youthful energy and improve their joint health and mobility. And best of all, your dog's going to love it. Now, I don't know if it tastes great, but my I will tell you that my dog thinks it tastes great, right? Because we give this to Cap every day and he absolutely loves it. So you can take the Rough Greens 14-day Jumpstart Challenge with your pet right now for just $14.95 and see the difference in your dog in two weeks or less. So if you want to see your dog thrive like never before, go to roughgreens.com slash blaze Rough Greens, R-U-F-F is how that is spelled. Roughgreens.com slash blaze. Let's get back to more Feedback Friday. All right, more uh, emails on what's going on with coronavirus. This is from Wes Usury. Or is it Usury? I think it's Usury. 
Recently, a friend posted a meme about the number of essential workers not dying in large numbers. I've been saying for years, if anything contagious ever gets loose in the country, wheat truckers will be the major distributors of said disease. As a 61-year-old trucker with a health issue, I'm one of the most vulnerable. Yet I've been in multiple facilities in multiple states, engaged with multiple people that have also been engaged with multiple people from multiple states that have been to multiple facilities. We've been doing it, we've been doing it the whole quarantine. I get my temperature taken extremely often. As Sir Elton John would say, I'm still standing, which is amazing since most places have a community clipboard with a pen attached by a string of rubber bands. They hand it to me. I fill it out, hand it back. They pass it around. I'm sure this happens multiple times per shift. Some, but not all, are now wearing gloves, but that doesn't help much for me on my end. Through all of this, I've been mostly faithful about hand sanitizer. Otherwise, not so impressive about my overall safety routine. Why? So therefore, why aren't large numbers of we truckers not falling prey to COVID-19? How are any of us still alive at all? That's a very good question. Now, Wes, when you first sent this email, I didn't have an answer because we didn't have the data to answer your question, but we do now. You're 61 and you're active and you're working full time and you're washing your hands because there's, as Dr. Scott Atlas pointed out to us, there's far greater transmission from touch than the, than the air droplets from breathing next to somebody. So you're, you're taking every day the number one precaution you have to take. Actually, you're taking the top two. Okay. You are washing your hands, you're sanitizing your hands and you're taking your temperature. Those are the top two preventative measures. You're taking them. You're 61 years old and you're active with a full-time job. You're not 70 or older and in a nursing home. Because only about 37,000 Americans have died of coronavirus so far that weren't in a nursing home. Everyone else was in a nursing home. Now, again, I say that believing that the numbers are higher than that because it was here all along. But because we didn't recognize that it was here all along, we didn't lock down a nursing home soon enough, and that's why our elderly are dying too. But I think we know the answer to your question now, Wes. We didn't know it before. Before, we would have just thought, that's a really good question. It's still a really good question, but I think we, we kind of know the answer now. There's a one-sector pandemic happening in America. And, always, and I always get the people, you know, well, tell me about what's going on in uh, Sri Lanka. I, I don't live there and I don't care. I don't have to tell you. I don't know. I don't, I don't know why Germany has seen a three-day spike the last few days. And you know what? I don't care. I also don't know what's the number one song. Is David Hasselhoff still big in Germany? Wasn't he like the number one artist in Germany in the 90s or something? He was. Okay. I, I don't know. I don't live in Germany, man. I don't know. Okay. I don't care. I don't follow what's trending in Germany. I don't know what the number one TV show in Germany is. I don't know. I don't live there. I live here. So if you're virtue signaling me about other countries, I mean, are you following the rest of their cultural exploits yeah. or you just happen to catch one headline and a hashtag in your Twitter moments about another country's COVID problem? Well, and the same person who points out that Germany stat, like if you say, what about Sweden? Sweden, is that on the map still? Yes, yes. Yeah, thank you for that. Yes, yeah. So I don't live there. Here's what I can tell you. Here's what I can tell you. And I say this with, you know, encouraging my own daughter to go back to work today as the malls are reopening in our community. She manages one of the retail stores in one of our malls. 
encouraged her absolutely to go back to work. I say this as somebody that that lobbied my own governor to not close the schools. I say this as someone that if I was pastor of a church, we would open this Sunday. We would take preventative measures, but we would be open. And if our church was open, we would go. I take my family. I'm not virtue signaling on the other way. I mean, I'm practically doing these things. I went to a back alley barber yesterday. I wasn't wearing a mask. Neither were they. I took my wife last weekend to the closest county that opened up in Iowa. We went out to dinner. First night we could. Stayed at a hotel. First night we could. Didn't wear masks or gloves. We washed our hands, made sure we didn't have fevers. We weren't dumb. We were thankful that they sanitized the restaurant we went to. But we didn't, we didn't panic. We took advantage of it first chance we could. Went to the mall in that town the very next morning. Right after it opened. So I'm, I'm not, you know, right, you know, you get, you get Twitter virtue signal on the left Karen guy. And then there's Twitter, you know, virtual signal or fake badass on the right, you know. No, I'm actually doing the stuff I'm telling you we, I think we ought to be doing. I'm doing it. I'm doing it now. And I'd do more if I could. If the movie theater opened this weekend, I'd, I'd be there all day. I wouldn't care what was showing. I mean, it would be, it would be tubbo corn day. I'd be there. Okay? So... When I throw around these things, I'm living out the research I do. I'm living it out. And here's what I can tell you. You're not going to die of coronavirus. I'll put my career on this. Like I have everything else so far. You're not going to die of coronavirus any more than you're going to die of the flu or pneumonia unless you live in a nursing home. I promise you that is true. Now, I can't speak for every country, but it's true in this one. There is a single sector pandemic happening in America. And it's right now, there, a pandemic is happening in America. But it is only happening in one single sector of our country, America's nursing homes. The rest of the country is just dealing with an extended bad flu season. That's it. It is Lord of the Flies, man. It's the stand in our nursing homes. What's going on there? There ought, to be, there ought to be people like Cuomo and others that put people positive for COVID-19 seated to nursing homes with them. They ought to be like in a court, like on trial for crimes against humanity with that kind of decision making. I'm dead serious about that. What's going on in our nursing homes is awful. And it was done by the same people who said, if you didn't want to shred your constitution and lose your business, you hated your grandparents. Well, it turns out they're the ones that actually didn't care about our grandparents. What's going on there is awful, tragic, wicked, evil. I'm out of adjectives, unspeakable. And in a country as enlightened as this one, what's going on there? But everywhere else, not much is going on. You're just dealing with an extended bad flu season. That's it. I promise you that's true. Aaron asks, not this, not our Aaron, but another one. If a woman with COVID has an abortion, is that a COVID death? I would pay real money. Are they letting that O-A-N? Is it O-A-N-N? Is that who it is? I've, I've heard it both ways, but I think it is just O-A-N. Okay. O-A-N, okay. 
Are they letting it back into the the, the White House brief, uh, White House uh, press room? Who knows? I would pay real money. Like I used to follow, I follow her on Twitter. She's at Newsmax now. I think his name's Emerald Robinson, I believe. She was like their White House reporter. Mm -hmm. I've seen her actually ask some good questions and do some good stuff. I'd pay real money if her or somebody like her at the next White House Coronavirus Task Force meeting, I hope they never have, I hope they never have, ever, ever again. I'd pay real money if they stood up and asked Dr. Debbie Burks, if a woman goes to Planned Parenthood and gets an abortion and is COVID-19, is that a, is that a, is that a COVID death? I'd, I'd pay real money for that. And I mean real money. Like I'm going to Disney World kind of money. See, these are the experiments in spontaneous human combustion that I think yes. we're looking for. Yes, yes. This, that's, that's the trolling I'm here for. I'm here for that. I think you would have been proud of me then. I think it was yesterday when there, on Twitter, uh, there was a post about Cuomo talking about advice his grandfather gave him. Did you see this? No. He said, uh, yeah, well, back, my grandfather used to tell me as long as we had our health, there's nothing. <laughs> yeah. As long as we had our health. No, no, he didn't. There's nothing we couldn't overcome. And I retweeted, I, I said, I'm looking for it. I don't have time right now, but I paraphrase, this might be a slight paraphrase, but I said, well, why doesn't that uh, ancient Cuomo family folk wisdom apply to healthy babies in the womb? As long as we got our health, you know, we can make this work. Or the el- or the uh, elderly in the long-term care facilities, you yeah. poisoned them with uh, with COVID nineteen, injected right into their right into their facilities on their grounds. Progressives just lie at a Baghdad Bob level. It's you just got to get used to that. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it was, what, a year ago we were lighting up the uh, One World Trade Center pink because of the late-term abortion law passed in New York. So, as long as we have our health, Yeah. Yeah. Janice has an excellent point. There is no money to be made off of natural herd immunity. Fauci, Burks, et et al. are associated with Gates Foundations and all the corporations and everything else. Big Pharma's push to wait for a vaccine. That's where all the money is. 100% agree with that. 100%. 100%. And I say that as somebody that is pro-vaccine. And you know why I'm pro-vaccine? Because I believe in herd immunity. That's why. You know why? Because that's the science. That's what vaccines help us to yeah, get to oh, faster no, 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 is no. herd immunity. Uh, Steve, I got to push back on that. I've been reliably informed multiple times over the last week and a half that herd immunity is actually a policy that you can or cannot be for. Yeah. Uh, is that you correct? You got Wendy Davis yeah. down in our, who's challenging my buddy Chip Roy for a seat in Texas, sounding like Donald Trump. Uh, well, herd immunity is a flailed strategy. It's not a strategy. It is. It is. It just is. It is. It's the fact of, of the, it's, it's, it's cosmic. It's just the truth. It's not a strategy any more than inertia, gravity, any other law of, of physics is a strategy. It's it's self evident, all right. The reason we li- the reason we have vaccines is to get us to herd. Im- well, the original reason we had vaccines, okay, was to get us to herd immunity faster, less painless, with less death. That's why. Now this is before though. You know what? Don't exercise. Don't exercise to cut back on your cholesterol and help your heart. Take this drug that you bought on that you got on TV with a 30 second commercial and 25 seconds of it is the disclaimer warning you, though, that you could actually end up with uh, with with heart problems by taking it. Do that instead. There's a drug for everything, a prescription for everything, everything. You don't have to work hard. Nothing old fashioned. You don't have to do any of that. No care for your body at all. Just pop a pill. And that's what's happened 
That that's that's when I talk about big pharma. That's what's gone on, and, it, and, and it, with literally everything. There's a pill for literally everything. A few years ago, Duke University did a massive study of depression, and they had one control group that they gave antidepressants to, and another that they just had to exercise. And you know what they found? The people that just took their fitness and everything else into their own hands had pretty much the exact same results as people who were taking these psychotropic drugs that we don't probably test well enough. That doesn't mean there's never a time for antidepressants. I live with someone who's bipolar. I can tell you there's a there's clinical, there is such a thing as clinical bipolar. I promise you it exists. I've lived with it. So is she. But this idea that everything's a drug all the time, everything is. It's kind of funny. My wife's been able, after the last few years of struggling with her health, to get some of her health back in order. She's lost, she's lost a bunch of weight. And guess what? Guess what? Guess every, when, she, when she reaches a benchmark, guess what they tell her to stop taking? Pills! She's healthier now. Doesn't have, to, doesn't have to take a pill for this and a pill for that and a pill for this and a pill for that. The same folks that told Alexander Fleming he was a kook about penicillin in the 20s are now the same people telling you to take a drug for everything or you're a kook. Alexander Fleming didn't make penicillin, guys. He discovered it. It was there all along. It was there all along. We just didn't discover it. Where was it all along? In the natural world, it was there all along. All along, it was there. We just didn't know where to look and discovered it. It wasn't conjured. He didn't come up with penicillin in a lab. He discovered it. That's the difference. You and I weren't made in labs. We're more than upright vats of chemicals. We're designed, which means there's a designer. And just manipulating chemicals here or there with a pill there and a pill there, that's not how we work. Well, that's not how we were intended to work. Vaccines work in accordance with herd immunity. At least, that's what Jonas Salk thought. That's what he thought. When we went after smallpox, that's what we thought. Now, I don't know, maybe sometime in the 90s or later, there just became so much damn money in this scientism that we just started thinking things differently. I don't know, the, I don't know that. But here's what I can tell you. 120 some odd pounds ago, I was pre-hypertensive, pre-diabetic. I was pre-everything. And 120 pounds later, I'm not. And have the resting heart rate of a freaking decathlete. And I still weigh 260 pounds. I didn't take a single drug, not a one. I just took responsibility. I just made sure I had more activity than sugar I ate. That's, we knew that 150 years ago, 200 years ago, we knew that. I'm getting mad now. I'm just getting mad. I'm just, I'm just mad now. And it's righteous. We're going to stick around best and worst of the week in our overtime uh, for the rest of you, for our Blaze TV subscribers. For the rest of you, have a great weekend in John 317. This is Steve Dace.
on the Blaze Radio Network.